From True Africa, I'm Claude Winitsky, and this is Limitless. In this episode, we're asking how we can improve African film. The key thing to do is deliver on the policy level. It seems like they're really here for exploitation. Even absolute rock stars still don't got it. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And, no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation. Films are one of the ways we understand our continent, one of the most powerful ways we can show our stories. I talked to three Africans in the film industry to understand how we can better tell our stories on screen. First up is Nicola Martefio, the creator of the TV series An African City. It follows five women in Accra in Ghana. You can watch it on YouTube. I recommend it. I started off by asking her what had changed since she started the YouTube series in 2014. Do you think that things have changed since 2014 with respect to kind of higher production values, specifically in the film industry in Africa? Not much, unfortunately. Um, and for, for various reasons. One, there, there are more streamers slowly approaching the African continent, but some of them don't seem like they are really here to do business. It seems like they're really here for exploitation. Specifically um, in what way? Yeah, I probably can't get very specific, but hopefully if they're listening, they know who, I, who, who I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, okay. No, um, I don't need specific names. I'm just thinking of specific terms. Well, it's just in terms of the numbers. Like, so if, if somebody here is offered $250,000 to do a film project, but a peer of them, of, a peer of theirs in Berlin is offered $20 million, right, for a similar project. Let's say it's a coming of age story. The films come out, the Ghana filmmaker is probably criticized for the production values and the filmmaker from Berlin is probably praised for the production values. But the main difference was the budget allocated to both projects. It's very simple. Bigger budgets mean better production values. Is that something that you feel is really true, though? And the reason I question that is, do you believe that we Africans have pretty much all the technical talent that we need in terms of directors of photography, editing skills on the continent in order to produce better films with higher production values, just with bigger budgets? The thing is, when you have a $20 million budget, okay, that means I could bring in one of the best sound guys from LA. And what's great about this best guy, sound guy from LA is that I'm also going to pair him up with with staff, with crew, sound crew from here. And so that sound crew is going to learn more from this great sound guy from LA, right? Well, which is what I believe that it's not necessarily about having the budget to hire people from LA or... Um, you know, New York or London, it's maybe more about having better film schools and training programs on the African continent. Yeah, and that, that's important. And I, I did a six-month 
program at the film school here. And yeah, they, they definitely do need more resources because I think the whole time that I studied there, it was six months. It was all in theory. You know, we just had an instructor in front of a blackboard and that was really it. I touched the camera once um, and there was one camera to go around for all the students. I think it was a hundred students, one camera to go around. Wow. Even that, I don't, I, I never want anyone to think they need to rely on something, right? Like, so yes, I did a film school program here and I'm glad I did it, but I'm never gonna rely on public institutions in Ghana to do for me what I can do for myself. I first learned how to write by going on the internet finding a script of a show that I loved and studying that script to death. Since then, I've read hundreds of scripts that I found through Google searches, and I was both my own teacher as well as yes. a student. I taught myself. I then found online classes. I took them. I then connected with other people who were just as hungry as I am about the industry. That's it. That's how we improve the system, by looking at how you can improve yourself. My second guest, is Kivu Rorahosa. He's a Rwandan film director, as well as being a producer on the Kenya Rwanda edition of this podcast. His latest film, Father's Day, was filmed in Rwanda. It received rave reviews at the Berlin Film Festival. Kivu started off by telling me how much has changed in Rwanda since he started making films in the 2000s. Yes, things have changed massively because uh, the uh, film and moving images became the uh, primary mode of communication for an entire generation uh, because of uh, uh, smartphones becoming accessible and, and the internet and then YouTube becoming the number one tool to, uh, to share videos. So people started investing their personal monies, working in other sectors and reinvesting their earnings in film by buying a lens, buying a camera, buying a, a, another accessory. And uh, so it became easier and easier to get better, uh, better production values while uh, working and sourcing everything in Rwanda. And uh, right now it's possible to do something that can be a uh, uh, to create a work that could be competitive um, uh, internationally, but it still costs way more than it should. Uh, and it's still, there's still uh, great risks because uh, when, when uh, sometimes we have to, to get equipment in, uh, in two because uh, there are no rental houses. If I run out of, uh, uh, of uh, if a battery dies on me or if a card dies on me or if a key accessory dies on me, I need to be able to replace it and 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 stay uh, stay the course and still be uh, delivering uh, the same quality that that I intended to deliver. So it's uh, it's still very costly, but things are clearly improving. What structural changes do you feel are needed right now for the film industry to get to the next level? I think it's a policy right now. Uh, I think the creatives are doing their part, uh, educating themselves as much as they can. And uh, there's some um, private schools, uh, private uh, educational efforts that have been um, that, that are now available for people to train uh, to train themselves. But now the uh, the the key thing to do is uh, is uh, de deliver on the policy uh, at policy level so that you can create incentives for, for uh, those who want to invest in, in, uh, in equipment to be able to, to, be able to do that. Uh, a few years ago uh, in Rwanda, we created the, uh, the right environment for people to invest in uh, IT. 
And, and now we see the change. Rwanda is uh, super well connected. Um, it's, uh, I mean, basically the, our entire administrative lives are done uh, automatically when we don't fill in forms again uh, anymore. We don't, yeah, we don't do any uh, uh, like cash payments uh, at, at so many uh, in so many aspects of our lives. So we need to do the same thing if we really want to uh, to not miss this train. Uh, a good example uh, I can give you is in, uh, between 2017 and 2019, there were three major productions in Rwanda. Uh, there was uh, one called Notre Dame du Nil from France. There was a Neptune, uh, Neptune Frost, which was a, a US Rwandan co production. And there was a Petit Pays, which was also French. All those, equi- uh, all those uh, productions had to hire uh, grip trucks from uh, Kenya that would travel 2,000 kilometers to come and and then uh, uh, and service productions in Rwanda. It's impossible for us, for example, to uh, seduce some productions, uh, be they productions of uh, of major corporate videos like Coca Cola or um, or MTN, because we just don't have the infrastructure in place. And that infrastructure is impossible to secure if we don't have the tax incentives in place that we need. My third guess is Aditi Ifyong a Nigerian film producer who just directed his first feature film, The Black Book, one of the biggest projects ever undertaken in Nollywood. Our journalist Fola Folayan spoke to him. Sorry, the sound is a little dodgy on this one, but it's definitely worth a listen. So how did it start for you? Um, well, I, I want to start by saying that I actually do have a 20 year career in technology and a 12 year career in advertising. Um, like we're working with like some of the top brands in Nigeria and West Africa and globally as well. Um, Twitter, Wikipedia are among our clients. Um, so yeah, we, we've, we've been around for quite a while. Um, but if I want to say when like I got into film, I want to go back to a 10 year old me and grew up in a library of books. And I started writing, you know, writing actively since I was 10. So I, but the way I wrote, I always wrote to be, for things to be seen, not read, because I'm very visual in the way I, I adapt things and the way I see things. That is the way it was. That's where I really started. And so um, going into advertising, I, I got into directing ads of my own after a while and, and making short stories for brands, like basically storytelling for brands. And, but I had always wanted to make film. I had always, always wanted to make films. One of the uh, films we're making next year, I wrote it 16 years ago. And I've been having all of these things in my head, but I couldn't afford to do them. Let's look at some of the challenges uh, around filmmaking in Nigeria. Like we just met uh, the Black Book, which is, uh, was described by CNN as the biggest uh, film out of Nollywood, local film made out of Nollywood so far. And and in in many ways it's true. It's it was it was a a, a million dollar project funded exclusively by local money, um, and it it also in terms of scale we shot it over three months. We we shot it in Lagos in Kaduna, um, with about eighty seven locations and built thirty eight sets. You know, so it's it's quite in terms of scale. It's quite there's nothing like it ever done ever been done locally. And so to be able to do that, um, we had to partner with the army, with the air force, with, with the prison service, with the DSS, with the police. 
You see, so those, that's the level, like those are the levels of of collaboration and partnerships that had to happen. But of course, it now comes back to your question. To make that level of partnership happen, right? How do you how do you make it happen? It funding is now a factor. You know, funding allows you to breathe and plan properly, to spend one year planning to make a picture versus planning for two weeks. And of course, there's the other question of me having a, a history and actually having a day job because I had to fund 40% of, of the budget. If you want to go do a thing that big, you have to have skin in the game. Listening to you now, I mean, with the background you have, um, you, you have access clearly. You have access to you know, friends in the industry that can put money down and co-invest. Actually don't. Really? You think so? So the people who funded this mostly have never funded a film before. They're in, in tech, they're in banking, they're in healthcare. <laughs> yeah. So Were you able to reach them? Well, I have I have a twenty year history in tech. Yeah, the reason why I, I, I went that route asking you about that is because I'm thinking about, you know, young filmmakers, huh. people who probably will not be able to go there, but they want to make something good. What would you advise that they do? Okay. Um there are two th- ways to do this thing is to have money or or to be an actual absolute rock star. Um, and in this industry, it's a zero-sum game, really. And so absolute rocks, even absolute rock stars still don't cut it. Like, let, let me put it this way. As a young filmmaker, you, you have to partner with people. You have, to, you have to start doing work. Do a short film and put it out. Let people see. Thank you to all our guests. I love this episode because we heard from our modern day myth makers, the artists and creatives who are holding up a mirror to ourselves and our continent. And there are many more filmmakers out there struggling with regulations, expenses, and lack of support. But although they face real challenges, the audiences are out there. And that means the potential for African film is, well, limitless. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. Join in the conversation using the hashtag LimitlessAfrica. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Grinitsky. The Limitless podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation.